Tonight I'm going to talk about something that, uh, it's not new, it's something we talk about many times, and one of the reasons I uh, discuss this on occasion is because it's such an important part of our Christian life and how we should be living, uh, something we need to be reminded of often, I think. In 2004, uh, around that time, uh, there was a term for people that uh, kind of bring a rain cloud into the into this group wherever they come and it's it's a, that term that was coined is Debbie Downer we all know what a Debbie Downer is someone I mean we can all be smiling we can be having a good time and then that person walks up and it just sucks the joy out of the conversation and we call that person a Debbie Downer uh, by the way people who try to bring you down are already below you so don't sink down with them Rather, uh, lift other people up, and that's what we ought to be doing. One of the great tragedies of our time, and I'm including churches in this, is that there are so few kind people around anymore. There's plenty of mean-spirited. There's plenty of selfish people. Even a real dearth of just normal, kind-hearted uh, people, and that's something the Bible commands us to be. Uh, there are few people who take the time and the effort that it takes to live a life that is defined by kindness and gentleness and goodness and all those fruits of the spirit, fruit of the spirit that we even talked about tonight in discipleship. But I believe that's how every child of God ought to be. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake forgave you. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all things be done with charity. And charity, of course, is the King James word for love. And so all, all we do ought to be done with love. And if we're honest, though, many people are opinionated. They are self-centered, uh, even rude, and sometimes just plain mean. And even in churches, we have people like that. And we need not to be that person. So uh, it ought to be not so, especially among saved people, especially uh, among a church uh, setting. And it's one of the reasons that Jesus, and I think he put a lot of eff emphasis on it as well, but it's one of the reasons he said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, we are not known for our standards, or shouldn't be, although we should have standards. We are not known for a myriad of other things that we make a big deal about sometimes. We ought to be known for our love and our kindness toward one another. Uh, tonight, I want to preach to you for a few minutes on being an encourager. Uh, being an encourager. Let's read Acts chapter 4, verse number 36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Father, I pray you'd help us in the next few minutes here as we talk about this subject that really probably every one of us could use help on, could be use improvement on, because we do want to be uh, ones that lift others up, not pull others down. Help us, Lord, to be an encourager. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In these verses, we're introduced to a man named Joseph. As I mentioned, this isn't the first time we've talked about Barnabas. I've probably preached on him two or three times already. Uh, especially going through the book of Acts, but uh, he's better known by the nickname Barnabas, He was a, which is what they surnamed him as. Uh, he was a Jew from Cyprus. He was one of those from the dispersion, and he, had, he was a Levite. Uh, he was of that tribe 
those in Israel who were devoted to handling the sacred things. In fact, uh, according to Mosaic law, those in that tribe, uh, Levites, were not supposed to hold property. They were uh, to live off the free will offering of others. And so Joseph Barnabas here, uh, compelled by the love of Christ, because the love of Christ did what the law could not do, he gave up that property, he sold it, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. When he appears on the scene here, when we're introduced to him, and this is where we are introduced to him, in the early days of the church, uh, he steps out of obscurity and he's doing good. When he steps off the stage a few years later, he's still doing good. Uh, and all that we see in between, we just see that type of person in Barnabas. Always encouraging, always lifting others up. And I want to look at several areas in the ways he did that. In fact, all his ministry, he had a heart to do good to those he came in contact with. I think the attitude, if we could adopt the attitude of Barnabas into our Christian life, it would help us tremendously. All of us need encouragement. When you're up, the team needs you. When you're down, you need the team. All of us need encouragement. William Arthur Ward said, flatter me and I will, I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. All of us like and need encouragement. And tonight I want to look at the life of Barnabas and I want to share with you why they named him the son of consolation. Uh, the, by the way, this is a very special name. <clears throat> the son of consolation. If you look at the original word uh, in the Greek language for the word consolation, it's the same word used in John 14, 26, when Jesus said, but the comforter whom I will send, talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. But the comforter, the same original word used there. So this is a special word, and it's quite an honor that they would name Barnabas the son of consolation. It refers to someone who comes alongside another uh, in encouragement and lifting them up and to offer help. Apparently, Barnabas had earned a reputation with the disciples and others as one who was a helper and encourager of others, and so they called him the son of consolation. As we look at why he was named that and some of the things that he did, I'd like for you to just take a look inside. Uh, we ought to always be doing internal uh, inventory, and see if you also can be classified as an encourager as he was. Uh, three things, and then there's some sub-points too, but we must learn to reach out. Look at Acts 9. We're going to be looking at some different passages tonight. Go over to Acts 9. Look at verse 26. And one of the things that this son of consolation did is he encouraged the desperate. Acts 9, verse 26 and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So we understand, we, we know the story of Saul of Tarsus and his miraculous conversion there on the way to Damascus. And after Saul was converted, uh, I mean, this was a conversion, by the way. This would be like Osama bin Laden getting saved today or somebody, uh, that, a notoriety, a wicked person. Saul was the enemy of the church and he got saved. He had a glorious conversion experience. And so what the first thing he wanted to do, hey, I'd like to get to know these preachers a little better. So he tried to join the apostles that were in Jerusalem, but out of fear 
obviously because of his past, they were afraid to allow him in their midst. They wanted nothing to do with him. It's not hard to understand why. Uh, Saul probably used all kinds of trickery to try to get in uh, to these groups in the past. Uh, what, but, but what happened to Peter's spirit of discernment? Why didn't John befriend him, take him home and uh, introduce him to Mary, the mother of Jesus? Where was Andrew? Of all people, Andrew was always bringing outsiders to Jesus, wasn't he? Where was Andrew in the midst of all this? What happened to Nathaniel? Remember, Nathaniel was that Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. None of these wanted anything to do with Saul. Uh, it's disappointing that they weren't at least willing to hear him out. Surely a conversation with Saul, even a short conversation, would show them that he was for real and that he had been saved, but they were all afraid, the Bible says, and they believed not. Saul was a social leper in their circles, obviously. But Barnabas gave him a chance. And I like that about him. Barnabas came to visit him and talk to him, realized that Saul was for real. And not only did he do that, but he put his own reputation in the line to take Saul to the other apostles and introduce him to them and let them know that, and, and speak up for him. I can't imagine what that must have meant to Saul. That Barnabas told uh, the others about his experience, his conversion, and spoke up for him. And what a meeting that must have been. Can you imagine after Saul's introduced and they all are convinced he's for real? I don't know if at Saul who would become Paul and Peter gave each other a big bear hug, or I don't know how it went, but uh, what an amazing thing that would be. But Paul would never forget what Barnabas did, uh, what he owed Barnabas. He was the first one to trust him. And how about we do the same thing that Barnabas did to new believers? There's still such a need for that kind of ministry today. We need to make an effort to reach out to those who seem to be lonely or those who are on the fringes or those who don't fit in quite as well. Uh, this is especially true at church. We should do our very best to make sure everyone that comes here through our doors feels welcome, feels like they just came home, has somebody beside them to encourage them to go forward for Christ. Every person who darkens these doors ought to feel that from someone. We need to love them. We need to welcome them and accept them into our lives. I encourage you, on Sunday mornings especially, we had a lot of visitors this morning. We had some college students this morning. We had some fam a new family visit this morning. And I hope you're looking around and looking for opportunities to find that needy soul and be a friend to them, reach out to others. That's what Barnabas did. And I want to be that type of person. I want to be that type of Christian. I think we all should be. Uh, that's what Jesus did. It's what he expects of us. So he encouraged the desperate. Now turn to Acts 11. And we see that he encouraged the disciples. Acts 11, verse 22. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord, or would cleave unto the Lord. Antioch was a very cultured city but it was also a very wicked city. Antioch was filled with heathenism, with uh, idolatry, deep sexual sins. But something had happened in Antioch recently that turned the Jewish Christians completely topsy-turvy in their way of thinking. And that was that uh, God, through Peter, is opening the door to the Gentiles. And, and we, we saw that as we went through our Acts series, uh, you know, the sheet that came down. And so Peter is starting to preach to the Gentiles. 
And apparently it never occurred to these Christians and maybe even Peter that the next logical steps to Jews getting saved and the gospel going to them is that if, if, uh, Gentiles would be evangelized. The news of what was happening in Antioch caused quite a stir in Jerusalem. So they started to hear back about the fact that Gentiles are getting saved. Uh, by the way, God's grace has always been open to Gentiles. That was just not the focus of Jesus' ministry for a time. But instead of excitement about new souls being saved or that it would be the logical extension to uh, Peter's ministry there in Caesarea, instead of doing the same thing in Jerusalem, trying to reach Gentiles, the, the uh, Jerusalem church decided this needed some investigation. After all, what, remember, you know the, the death knoll of every church. We've never done it that way before. That's the death knoll of every church. And that's what they were saying. We've never done it this way before. We better check this out. And so they sent Barnabas, and they couldn't have chosen a better, better emissary than Barnabas to go see what was happening. The Bible tells us here that in the verse that we just read, that when he arrived, he exhorted them. Uh, this means he offered them encouragement. It's, this is the kind of man that Barnabas was. He's not critical or jealous of someone else's success. He was excited about what God was doing. He was excited that new people were getting saved and serving the Lord. And Barnabas rejoiced to see all these Gentiles responding to the gospel and to hear their testimonies, what God had done for them. And he did his best to encourage them to carry on for God. Again, there's a lesson here. We ought to do everything that we can in our power to encourage other believers in their walk with the Lord. We need to praise others when they labor for Jesus. We ought to be encouraging because when we, what we praise gets repeated. When we encourage others, it encourages further behavior in that direction. I read the story of a man who opened his door one morning <coughs> and uh, to get his newspaper, and he noticed a little dog he had never seen there before and this little dog was standing right in his door with his paper in his mouth there to give him the... And the man says, oh, that's cute, you know. So he gives the dog a treat, takes his paper, goes in, doesn't think about it again. Uh, the following morning, he's horrified. And he sees the same dog sitting on his porch with eight papers sitting around him, all right? Uh, because what we encourage gets repeated, doesn't it? And uh, so encouragement inspires further service. Our duty to our fellow believers is to help them grow in the Lord and be an encouragement like Barnabas was. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith we may edify one another. Not criticize, not uh, look for troubles or problems, but edify one another. There's two, basically two, two types of people in every church. One type who seeks to find fault and uh, tries to find problems in the work of the church. They do their best to tear others down, even though they sometimes even have good intentions, but that's what they're doing, tearing others down. The other type seeks to build people up and build up fellow believers and try to help them to grow in the Lord. And I ask tonight, which description best fits you? Do you tear down or do you build up? I hope that you're an encourager the way Barnabas was. Once I did bad... And that I heard ever. Twice I did good, and that I heard never. Ever felt like that before? We mess up, people don't let you forget it. But you do good, and nobody notices. Sometimes we feel like that. In 1995, two girls were born, twins, named Kyrie and Brielle. They were born prematurely. They weighed only two pounds each. 
They were watched over very carefully. They were put in incubators as, as they are in that age. And Kyrie started putting on weight, but Brianna struggled and cried and was not getting healthy at all. Uh, she began to turn blue and started to lose even more weight, though she couldn't afford to do that at all. They wrapped her in blankets. Mom held her. Dad held her. They tried to, they tried to do everything they could and nothing seemed to help. Finally, a nurse broke the rules of the hospital and put the girls in the same incubator. And immediately the healthier of the two put her arm around her sick sister in an embrace. And almost immediately the crying stopped. And soon Brielle's uh, normal pinkish color came back the way it should have been. Her heart rate stabilized. Her temperature returned to normal. In fact, I have a picture of them, uh, I think, right there. This is now them and as adults. Uh, and they both did survive. And sometimes encouragement is a matter of life and death. And it was in this situation. And it can be spiritually too. Sometimes at the very verge of quitting... If someone were to just offer some encouragement and just some support, it'll be the saving of that person's spiritual life. And we need to do that. We need to be about that. There are times all of us can use a word of encouragement. And something additional I like about Barnabas here, encourager is a selfless person. He's always trying to think, or she, an encourager, is always trying to think of how they can bless, help, strengthen somebody else. Uh, notice that Barnabas put the spotlight on Paul. In effect, he helped to launch what would become a worldwide ministry for Paul, and, and uh, Paul would write much of the New Testament. But more important to Barnabas than notoriety was the welfare of Christians in Antioch as well. Uh, he wasn't concerned about what it did for him. He was uh, there to encourage them. And why was Barnabas willing to take second billing when it came to Paul? Why was Barnabas willing to be number two? Why was he willing to get behind the curtains and put Paul in front and center and, and encourage the Christians at Antioch there? Because he was an encourager, and encouragers are selfless. Encouragers, you cannot be selfish and encourage others because you're about yourself. An encourager, by very definition, is a selfless person. I hope that's you. Thirdly, we see that he encouraged the discouraged. Turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 and verse number 36. Acts 15, 36. And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. The contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas. Apparently, Paul, Barnabas, and Mark were together on a missionary journey. For some reason, in Acts 13, uh, Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. We're not told the reason. Now, Paul and Barnabas are ready to go out again. And Barnabas wants to take Mark and tells Paul, let's take Mark with us. <clears throat> he wants to give him a second chance. Paul, as being Paul, didn't believe in second chances so much. He messed up. We're not taking Mark again. I'm not going to go through that all again. Paul didn't have patience for it or whatever the reason would be. And so they disagree, and their disagreement was so sharp that actually separated them. By the way, we're not going to go there tonight, but who was right? 
Paul or Barnabas? That's not a... That's not really a, the point of the story. There was a contention. Sometimes people have to separate. And it just uh, they, they both did well. Paul did great things and Barnabas did great things. But the point in this place here is Barnabas takes John Mark and he disappears from the biblical account. We don't hear from him again. He, we don't read about Barnabas ever again. But, but his ministry to John Mark had far-reaching consequences. Uh, Barnabas gave this discouraged young man a second chance. And his life as a servant of God was salvaged, maybe because of Barnabas. In fact, uh, before Paul died in Rome, he suggested that Mark be sent to him in 2 Timothy 4.11. Because Barnabas took time to encourage a discouraged Mark, Mark was used of God to pen the gospel of Mark and leave uh, for us an exciting account of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. And Barnabas had a hand in it. He just encouraged him. He said, hey, I'm not giving up on Mark. And, and maybe, you know, Paul, I understand. I understand when you're in the throes of ministry, you don't have time to waste on quitters. I get it. But Barnabas had a heart to help. And he did so because he was an encourager. And uh, what a truth for us. How many times have we seen fellow believers fall by the wayside or mess up or fall back into a sin that they had formerly been saved out of? And our natural tendency is just kind of wash our hands of them and move on without them. Uh, but God's plan is very different. I, I love the message that Grant preached on his last night here. We talk about restoring people. And that was a great message. We're, we're not to kick our brother or sister when they're down. We're to reach out to them in a spirit of love and humility. We're to help them be restored to a place of fellowship and service. Like the good Samaritan who stopped and he bound up the wounds and he helped this man recover. Mark Twain once said, I can live two months on one good compliment. I get it. I just, I agree with him. I love compliments. I think we all love compliments, don't we? I mean, I'm not talking about flattery, but real compliments. And that's an encouragement and we ought to be encouraging. Oh, it's a lot easier, though. It's a lot easier to find fault than it is to find ways to encourage others. It's easier to put people down, uh, hold their faults against them. But I'm glad that, uh, the, that God isn't like us in that area because He surely could keep things against us, couldn't He? But aren't you glad that God's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances? Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 and the Lord, word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. I love that. Gave him another chance. Didn't just throw him away because he messed up once. It came again to him a second time. And by the way, because the word of the Lord came to him a second time, he went and a whole city got revived, got saved because of Jonah coming, and God gave him another chance. Why can't we do the same for those around us? Why can't we give people second chances? I hope that you do. This isn't a true story, um, but it could be. I'm just using it as an illustration. Pastor Forsberg goes to a used car lot, and he says to the salesman, Sir, are you the salesman who sold me this Volkswagen Beetle? The salesman looks at him and says, Yes, I believe I am. And he says, Pastor Forsberg says, Well, would you mind telling me how great it is again? Because sometimes I get really discouraged. If you know the situation, you know where we're coming from. 
We need to be an encourager. Sometimes the Christian life doesn't pan out the way we think it should. Sometimes we get some surprises. Sometimes the transmission messes up in our Christian life. And sometimes things get in our way. And we just need to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged that uh, somebody is uh, willing to come alongside us. And I hope that we are encouragers. We must learn to reach out. you got to move quickly here. You must learn to reach out. The encourager has an upward ministry. His ministry doesn't just reach out to those around him. It also reaches up as he carries on the work of God in his life. The encourager furthers the work of God. He uses his spiritual gifts and love for the Lord. He promotes the word of God. In Acts 4.37, having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The first impression that we have of Barnabas is that he gives of himself freely. He's not a selfish person. He's a giving person. He gave of his goods to see that the church and the work of the church would go on. He used the things at his disposal to enhance the work of the Lord. Oh, thank God for people like Barnabas. We ought to strive to give of our time, of our tithes, of our resources, our talents, so that God's work can prosper, like we talked about this morning. Also, the burden of the ministry doesn't rest on any one of us here. We all ought to take part in it. He also praises the work of God. In Acts eleven twenty three. who when he came had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all. And then in verse 25, we didn't read it, but a couple of verses after, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. <laughs> when he saw what the Lord was doing in Antioch, I got to let Saul know. And he goes to seek him and share the news with him. Barnabas refused to keep the good, good blessings of God quiet. There's a need for this kind of attitude in our churches today because there's far too many people who are so quick to badmouth the church or badmouth somebody in the church. We need some folks that'll go out into the world and brag on what Jesus is doing or even in the midst of the church as well. God give us some who will tell, uh, who will tell of these things in the, in a, of, of things happening in, a, in their own testimony or in a revival meeting or a soul being saved, a backslider getting right and have a part in all of those things. There's enough whiners in the church and belly acres. We need some who will exalt the work of God. Some people love complaining almost as much as they love doing nothing about it. They just complain for complaining's sake. Be sure you're not guilty of bad-mouthing the church or the people of God. God wants us to be a winner, not a whiner. Amen? And uh, so we need to be encouragers. Do this, by the way, we do this in front of lost people. Never, 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 ever badmouth the church or God in front of lost people. We're trying to win them. And they don't need to know the drama of what's going on at church or something, somebody said this or somebody did that. We need to be a uh, witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, but, and and it's hard to invite people to a church you've just badmouthed, isn't it? And so let's be faithful encouragers, uh, showing them what they don't have. Be an encourager, one who exalts the work of God. So he promotes the work of God. He praises the word of God, and then he participates in the work of God. In Acts 13, 2, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Barnabas was chosen by the Holy Ghost to be actively involved in the Lord's work. This decision changed the course of his life forever. From that moment on, wherever Barnabas was, whenever we read about him, he was a servant. He was an encourager, always lifting others up. No matter where we are in the world or what we are about, we are the servants of the Lord and we ought to live and act accordingly. When we serve with enthusiasm and excitement and encouragement, 
uh, that's, that will do that to others. It'll encourage them and lift them up. So when it time, comes time to go to church, do your job for God or to serve in whatever ministry you have, arrive early, arrive alert, arrive happy, arrive with a smile on your face, ready to serve God. Show people that you enjoy what you're doing. Amen? And if you're not feeling it, fake it. Put a smile on there. Just act like you're having fun. Amen? If you fake a smile long enough, it'll either become real or at least people will wonder what you're up to. Uh, but ask And ask the Lord to restore your joy. And by the way, if you can't have joy in what you're doing for God, maybe you ought to search your heart a little bit. Maybe you need to make some changes uh, because we don't want... We want people that are happy about serving God, especially in ministry situations. So an encourager furthers the work of God, and then also he finishes the work of God. In Acts 12, 25, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. This verse tells us that they fulfilled or finished their ministry there. That is, they stayed with the work until it was finished. If you want to uh, your life to be an encouragement... Never leave a job unfinished. Be faithful to the work that God has called you to. Doesn't it encourage you to see people who are sticking with the Lord through all time, thick or thin, they're just faithful to the Lord? Uh, I, that's an encouragement to me. I, I, I tell you what, we celebrated 50 years uh, last September, September 17th, 50 years, our church. Uh, has been in existence. I was not the original pastor, but uh, we celebrated 50 years. And Miss Eloise, here that day and here on day one, just still faithfully serving the Lord. That's a blessing to me to see people. And Brother Rich came soon after that. And uh, just continuing to just be faithful. And uh, that is an encouragement to others. And by the way, when you're here and when you're faithful, that's an encouragement to those around us. And we need to we need to use that and, uh, and, and use that towards have, helping other people become faithful too. <clears throat> and then lastly, not only reaching out, reaching up, but also reaching in. The encourager possesses an internal ministry, a ministry to self. Uh, David, and we're not really going to go there, it's kind of a different message, but David, the Bible said when he was at his lowest point, he didn't really have anybody to reach out to. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes that's all we have. And sometimes we have to encourage ourselves. As much as we ought to have people around us lifting us up and putting their arms around us and helping us along, sometimes we don't have it. Sometimes we've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And uh, David had to and we need to as well. A personal ministry may not be seen by others, but the evidence will be plain for others to see. So maybe somebody doesn't know what you're going through. Somebody doesn't understand uh, what you're having to do to encourage yourself in the Lord. But the evidence, if you do so, evidence will be seen by others. An encourager, an encourager demonstrates Christ by his life. Acts 11.24, talking about Barnabas, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. Barnabas was a genuine man of God. He possessed the characteristics that marked him being sold out and on fire for the Lord. And his life served as an encouragement uh, of holiness by being blameless in front of others. And he encouraged others to do the same. Our lives, your life, ought to encourage those around you to live a better and more holy life for God. It should by our testimony, the way that we talk, the, thing, the, uh, the topics that we promote, they ought to encourage growth in the Lord. Uh, Barnabas certainly did. We do, our, we do this best by getting ourselves close to God first. That's the first step. 
And as we get closer to the Lord, we'll encourage others to do the same. How do you do that? Well, you immerse yourself in the Word. Uh, you spend time in prayer. Turn your back to the world. Uh, is it possible? Yes. Is it easy? No. Is it effective? Absolutely. If we do those things and we uh, intently and purposely grow ourselves in the Lord and encourage others to do as well. I look at Barnabas and I realize how far I have to go to reach his level. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I, I want to be like Barnabas. I hope you do too. Every time we see him in Scripture, he's encouraging somebody, either a group of people, um, uh, a defeated, discouraged soul, a brand new Christian with a terrible reputation that needs to have someone speak for him. Now, how about you tonight? Wouldn't you like for your life to be remembered as an encourager? Wouldn't you like when you show up into a social group that it brings a little sunshine in, not a big old cloud with rain? Remember, who was the character in Peanuts that walked around with the cloud above him? And wherever he went, the cloud was there. You've known people like that, haven't you? We've all known people like that. I don't want to be that person. I would like to bring the sunshine. And so uh, we need to be an encourager like that. Uh, if that's to happen in your life, God has to come first, others will have to come second, and yourself will have to come last. That's the only way we're going to really be encouragers because selfish people are not encouragers, and encouragers are not selfish people. So we have to put ourselves last. What is the benefit? God will be glorified. Others will be edified. And we will be rewarded when we get to glory. And I want, I, I, that's my desire to be an encourager. And I hope it is yours tonight as well. Let's be a Barnabas, son of consolation, lifting others up. Same word as the Holy Spirit being the comforter. I hope that's your goal. Father, I pray you'd help us to, as we look at lives like Barnabas in Scripture, Help us, Lord, to emulate those areas in which he was a blessing and encouragement. Help us, Lord, to emulate ways that he helped others reach the next level of their Christian life. Help us to be an encourager. We ask, Lord, you'd be with us throughout the rest of this evening, this week. Help us to make an impact on others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can stand along with me, and we will be dismissed.